0: Welcome to Coach's Corner. I am your host, Lucas Cochavar, as always. Welcome you into to a new episode of Coach's Corner on a beautiful, I guess it's post-beautiful, after the rain we had this past week, um, Friday afternoon, I guess noon, whatever time you're listening to this. Welcome in. We got some stuff to talk about. We got some NFL playoffs to talk about. We have some... um. NBA All-Stars, I mean, we maybe if we get to it, we'll see how, how the show goes, if we get to those or not, but it'll be our first, I think, NBA of the new season, um, just because we've been so busy with football and stuff, but, first things first, I want to start off talking about some coaches, I want to talk about, you know, different coaching hires that happened over the weekend, the couple jobs that are now open where I think they might go, and... <clears throat> I'll go ahead and start with my own team, the Atlanta Falcons. They made a hire for Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator. Uh they made that move yesterday. And you know, I it's it's a, it was mixed feelings when I first saw the news cuz you know there are I feel like there are better options out on the market. But when it comes to coaching, I feel like you don't really know until you know you you really get into the season. Like it's hard, you know, cuz I mean you know, it's called coach speak for a reason. Coaches will say all this, you know, in the off season, you know, leading up to their first job and stuff. And, you know, then they don't execute, and then you're like, oh, man, this guy stinks. So, you know, it's one of those, it, I just want to wait and actually see what the product on the field will look like before I judge Raheem Morris, because when you look at the qualifications that he has, they're all probably better or, if not, you know, on par with a lot of these you know, first-time head coaches that you would see. And, you know, Raheem Morris was the interim coach for the Falcons, you know, a couple years back, um, was, had a 4-7 and seven record. You know, he's a part of Dan Quinn's staff. He's part of Dan Quinn's staff, you know, from 2015, you know, from his starting point to when he got fired. So stayed on the staff the entire time. <clears throat> he coached the receivers, coached the defensive backs. And, you know, like I said, he took over for Dan Quinn, Finished the season four and seven, which doesn't sound great. But then you remember, you know, it's a Falcons team that wasn't very good. I mean, fr- frankly, a Falcons team that isn't as good as I think the current iteration of the Falcons are. And you look at what Raheem Morris has done after the Falcons. He went on to the Rams. He won a Super Bowl with the Rams as their defensive coordinator. And then he, you know, obviously last the season before was a wash, but. This past season, he led them to the playoffs. You know, helped lead a defense that was full of young talent. You know, Colby Turner, Byron Young, two very good young players on that defense that really kind of showed out throughout the season. And you know, it's not even that you can say it's like, well, Raheem Morris had all this talent this that, and the other. His first year there, he did. He had Aaron Donald. He had Jalen Ramsey. He had different players that were super talented. That eventually left, and then he got what he inherited last season, the season before that, and he built them up to be another like formidable unit. I won't say they were shut down or anything, but formidable unit. They were okay, and you know he's coming in, and it's also a hire that a lot of people love. The players love, you know. It's one of those like, you know, you player input matters because I mean, if a guy comes in and he's not really selling much, and you can't really buy into it then at what are you doing? Because I feel like, you know, Arthur Smith, you know, t- at the end there, people were kind of like, hey, we want him to be our coach again, this and that, and the other. And, you know, it, <clears throat> it feels like a lot of players were, like, not torn up, like not too terribly torn up that Arthur Smith was leaving. Like I said, you had your guys here and there that were, um, you know, upset. But as a whole, I feel like oh, there are some guys that probably are okay with Raheem Morris over Arthur Smith, just kind of playing you know, what you see, actions that you see on social media and stuff, it's all hearsay, but still, Raheem Morris is a players coach through and through, and frankly, it doesn't matter who he is, because a Falcons success still comes back to who are they going to play at the quarterback position, and who's going to be the offensive coordinator. Because, I mean, let's be honest, Arthur Smith didn't cut it as an offensive coordinator, coach, guy. He didn't, it just didn't work. And it never felt cohesive, this, that, and the other. But, you know, Raheem Morris has a big hire on his hands where he's, supposedly, the rumor is he's bringing in Zach Robinson, who's the Rams passing coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. And, you know, you hear that and you're like, oh, Matthew Stafford's there, he was already pretty good. Yeah, but, I mean it's a collaboration, you know, it takes, you know, two times, two to tango, and I like to think that, you know, Sean McVay is one of the smartest head coaches in the league, and the fact that he was the eye that brought in, you know, Raheem Morris and Zach Robinson, I trust, you know, Sean McVay more than I do the Falcons brass, let's be honest here, and the fact that he hired them and kept them on, obviously, I feel like they recruited their jobs, and, You know, if it doesn't translate, it doesn't translate. Falcons are still going to be losers. It's whatever, but I trust Sean McVay to find guys that are good and smart about football. And I think that's that's the move here. I'm gonna. It's one of those. It's like I said. I'm not jumping for joy or anything, but I understand the hire. I understand the process, like where this can go. But I'm my expectations are still low. You know, it's it's a respectable hire. It's nothing crazy but I mean let's be honest it's better than Belichick who's 72 and only his only interview during this entire process was with the Falcons you know <clears throat> it sounded like Belichick the hurdles to clear for Belichick being hired was he wanted personnel control and I don't think that was really in the cards for Arthur Blank and Co. and you know I don't Other than that, I mean, Mike Vrabel, another experienced coach, he wanted to bring back Arthur Smith. He wants Arthur Smith as his offensive coordinator, which I get. That's where he had success with his offense was with Arthur Smith. So, obviously, I think that makes it a little funky with the Falcons. So, other than that, everyone is kind of just a crapshoot. I kind of come back to this point. I mean, we're going to talk about these other head coaches, but I mean, uh, everyone else is going to be a first-time head coach. You know, I I say first-time head coach like Raheem Morris this one. Raheem Morris has been a a head coach in the NFL for multiple seasons. And you'll point back to his record in the 2009-2011 season for the Buccaneers. And, I'm sorry, that was over a decade ago. And he was probably much younger. Didn't have as much experience around, you know, better coaches that he has seen throughout the years. And, like I said, he only got you know, half a season with the Falcons team that he really didn't have control of. Like, it's not like he was able to make decisions as much as he probably would have liked to in the off season before he took over as an interim midseason for the Falcons. So don't, I would say throw out, it's one of those, you know how people say throw out the record book for like a, um, a rivalry? I'd say throw out the record book for him. Morris. Kind of wipe the slate clean for what you think his record is. And let's just start from, you know, square one. He has a good team he's inheriting. All he needs is to figure out the quarterback position, whatever you know he wants to figure out with that. We'll see what the decision is. And, I mean, another big part was that in the press release, the Falcons said that Rich McKay would you know, step back from interfering with football operations and go more over to the Atlanta United. And I don't know if I said it last week, but he's basically, he was the shadow GM. He's been the shadow GM, I think, since Dimitrov got fired. And I don't think that does anyone any good. I don't think he's very good at his job in football. And I think, you know, if this if this rings true, then Raheem Morris and Terry Fontenot should have control here. And I trust Terry Fontenot to build this thing up, to find a good quarterback, and for him to collab. Hopefully he was a voice in wanting to bring Raheem Morris. So, like I said, we're going to probably get some good rah-rah speech stuff in the like press conference and whatnot and it'll look positive but you know my expectations are still low but I like the higher. I'm fine with the higher. it's nothing nothing to scoff at and then we move on to another notable job uh we'll get to the big the I think the biggest job that we have to talk about <clears throat> next but first things I you know I want to talk about kind of this is from you know newest to the last I guess Carolina Panthers have hired Dave Canales, the Buccaneers' offensive coordinator, as their new head coach. Um, I, th- I mean, I would say this is kind of out of left field. I know that Canales has been getting he got, you know got some interviews as the Buccaneers' offensive coordinator because, like I said, he had a really really good year. Um, his history is he ties back to Russell Wilson's success in Seattle. Um, he was there for the last season of Geno when Geno Smith took that step as the guy for the Seahawks. And then, obviously, he was with the Buccaneers this past season and had a lot of success turning Baker's career around. And, I mean, if that's really, I feel like that's really the simplest way to analyze this is they see Canales as a guy that can turn around Bryce Young, get his career back on track, figure out creative ways to get that offense going because I was clearly the weak point of the Panthers team. And you know, like I said, I think this is it's it's a, the worst job on the market just because of what you're inheriting on an owner for, like from the owner spot uh, famously a very terrible owner. <clears throat> I think um three coaches now in his 5 years. Um he gave Canales a 6-year deal which is significant. <laughs> When it comes to, like, you know, really committing here. um, And, yeah, so this is, I don't want to, it's kind of like a lamb to slaughter. You know, if, I feel like it's, it's, this is a hard job for any first year head coach. This would be a spot where I'd understand if they made a hire, you know, like a Belichick or a Vrabel that just want to turn the culture around. I feel like Vrabel would have been a great hire for Carolina. um, But they're going with Canalis. Who, like I said, has a good history. Um, really is tasked he's tasked with turning Bryce Young's career around. That's that's basically gonna be his legacy, whether he does it or not. So good luck to him. Like I said, he has to build an offense here that's you know, has to figure out the defense. They have some free agents coming up with Brian Burns. It'll be very intriguing to see what the Panthers do. Um, but yeah, I mean not like I said, not a terrible hire. I I understand the logic. And then we get to the big domino that finally, finally dropped. The Los Angeles Chargers have hired Jim Harbaugh, the national champion winning head coach from Michigan. He finally is back in the NFL after uh, around a decade of being gone from the NFL. We get to see Jim Harbaugh back in action on NFL sidelines with Justin Herbert and... I really, really like this hire, man, I do, it's one of those, like, Jim Harbaugh was one on my list of guys that I would have been, like, very ecstatic about, and it was weird, because I feel like Harbaugh is very polarizing, where you're either getting people that hate his guts, or you're getting people like me, who, like, see that he obviously is a great coach, and can create a culture, and even though he's a goofball, you know that he knows how to win football games, he did it with Colin Kaepernick. He took Colin Kaepernick to the Super Bowl. And that's really all I have to say. <laughs> like he did that. He you know revived Alex Smith's career. Um, before he went off with the Chiefs. You know he. He was in a Super Bowl with the 49ers. I just. I, there's nothing more I can really say. He's been accomplished at the NFL level. He just happened to leave for his alma mater. You know. Obviously some bumps along the way there. But he won a national championship on his way out. With a very you know senior heavy team, Um, but yeah, he's just he's just a winning coach, and I'm fascinated to see what he's going to do with Justin Herbert. Because I would argue that Justin Herbert is the best quarterback he's he's ever had, and I know he's had Andrew Luck at Stanford, but obviously he was a college like that was a college job. Um, Justin Herbert's going to be the best quarterback he's coached at the pro level, at very least. Like it's going to be a very interesting. Um, shift in the culture, I think, for this Chargers team. Who, like I said, they're in cap hell. Like they they've spent a lot of money that did not work out for them. They're gonna have to figure out some stuff. I think they're gonna you know really do some roster shake up with a lot of veterans that we're familiar with. Like Austin Eckler, I don't see staying in Los Angeles under Harbaugh. He just doesn't seem like a Harbaugh type of running back. You know, there's just certain guys that you can tell it's like he's probably gonna get rid of them. Um, for, you know, get rid of them for more uh, I'd say traditional run heavy type guys Um, but I'm also curious you know I said that Justin Herbert should have like a really good career with him but will he kind of handicap Justin Herbert and bring Herbert down a little bit because I mean I, that feels like what he's done to quarterbacks is like he's elevated bad quarterbacks to being good but I feel like he's taken good quarterbacks and brought them down a little bit to make them simpler and Like I said, not a bad thing. Sometimes simple is good. Maybe Justin Herbert needs simple, but it's just a slight concern. But like I said, I still think this is a home run hire. I'm super curious to see how this one works out because, I mean, Jim Harbaugh is just a fun character. He's a very fun character to be a villain. Um, He's goofy enough to be lovable. Like, there's just a lot to like about him. Then we move on to the Tennessee Titans, who... Made an interesting move. Who I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. But they hired Brian Callahan. Um, he was the Bengals' offensive coordinator, and see, this is this is kind of what I was referencing earlier. You know, about a first-year head coach because I mean, you look at this guy and he might be fine, but you don't, you you have no basis for if he will be good because first of all, Zach Taylor was calling the plays in Cincinnati. He did have Joe Burrow. And he did have a top three receiving core, if not the best receiving core in football you know and i don't he's never been a head coach like he's been a part of some really really good staffs um and you know can you know have a chance to develop will levis and I, he's just he's gonna have to figure out some stuff. this feels like a very like this is gonna be rocky the first couple of years. But, I mean, we'll see if there's, like, a shift in the Titans' culture in two seasons, probably, if then. Um, Because, I mean, the Bengals, you think back, uh, Zach Taylor was probably on the brink of being fired before he broke through with Joe Burrow being healthy for the whole season and making it to the Super Bowl. Like, you know, Callahan might have his lumps, um, but that's, I mean, that's the risk of taking a, like, bona fide first-year head coach. And that's what Calhan is. Uh, he's going to be calling the plays, which is, you know, always an interesting wrinkle in seeing head coaches do that. But, I mean, he's, he's an offensive guy, so you want that. But it's just, you know, interesting to note every time, whenever that does happen, who's going to call the plays. It's it's the guy who you hired to call the plays. So, like I said, I mean, this is, I feel like, a really Will Levis-centric move. Um, I feel like we'll learn a lot about whether they think Will Levis is their franchise guy, you know, after next season so uh, next year is probably gonna be a wash for them they're losing derrick henry you know a franchise guy um you know they have to build up the receiving core they have to figure out this offensive line who's been kind of like a turnstile to certain positions um but he luckily does have a little bit of a defense to start off with like just a couple guys that i think are you know well coached and veterans that he can build around so It'll be interesting. I mean, he. I feel like Brian Callahan's going to be a big like. Who does he bring in on his staff to help him out in this first job? Um. Then we touch on a couple that I don't know if I touched on already, like last week or not. But Antonio Pierce um, gets the full time job as the Raiders coach. Um. I mean, this is this was feels like a no brainer. Um. Antonio Pierce kind of just willed this team into being a competitive team after they fired Josh McDaniels and. I think he was like one of the. I think he's one of like the better interims that I've seen get the player, you know, approval rating. It feels like everyone, everyone loved Antonio Pierce and wanted him back. <clears throat> and the Raiders made the mistake when they fired, not fired Rich Bisaccia, but went in a different direction after Rich Bisaccia was a great interim for them. You know, they they kind of messed that one up. They don't mess around with this one. They get Antonio Pierce, their guy. I think this is a smart move. Um, and they also hired the Chargers GM, the former Chargers GM, who has acquired talent, didn't do great in free agency, but did acquire talent. So, um, this feels like just a great move. Just you know, keeping a culture going that you had kind of running halfway through the season. He gets a full off season to really kind of implement his stuff. And yeah, I mean, offense is going to have to be the biggest thing. Their defense was really good towards the end. So, if they figure out the offense, I think this can be a fringe wildcard team? Maybe? I said, they they fought hard, and sometimes all you need is a culture guy. That's what the Lions have told me. And then we have the New England Patriots, who I feel like I did touch on, but Gerard Mayo su- succeeds... Um, succeeds. I feel like I'm messing that word up. Gerard Mayo takes over for the Patriots, overtaking Bill Belichick, who obviously is probably not going to find a job this off season. might just take the year off, might just retire. I don't know, but... Either way, Jerron Mayo was kind of seemed like he was always the plan coming out like after Belichick, so um, he comes in very, I don't very sketchy stuff. It feels like behind the scenes between a lot of people talking, a lot of voices were being you know heard that you couldn't put a name to um, that had a lot of input about this you know ending to the Patriots dynasty. But Jerron Mayo, I feel like, is a good coach. Um, I mean, obviously, I feel he brings the stability that you know a, a franchise that had one coach for so long he brings the stability of uh, he's not that different than the old guy I mean he is but he's has that you know same mentality that's how he was brought up in the Patriots franchise as a player as a coach you know but maybe he has a little bit of a modern spin on it so i think as patriots are a big we'll see they're they're very dependent on their draft so um but then we have to look over Two head coach openings. Um <clears throat> I'll just I'll just knock out the first one. That I I think this one's already a done deal, but we just don't know about it in the public. Washington Commanders. Um obviously they had Ron Rivera, they fired him. The commanders are an okay job. I people kind of praise the Commanders as a really good job. I don't I don't know if I go that far. I mean they have the second pick, which is good. Um they have a lot of good players, um Terry McLaurin. Josh Allen, I think, or not Josh Allen, um, Jonathan Allen, DeRon Payne, uh, Carmen Curl, I think is there. Like, they have a lot of good talent, um, but you got to figure out the quarterback and you have to figure out the offensive line. And, you know, there's just pieces where you have to figure it out. And if you miss on this, then you're probably a dead coach walking into this job already, like, if you don't have a good plan. Um, but like I said, I'll be honest, I think this is Ben Johnson's job. He's just kind of waiting for the Lions to, you know, either be eliminated or win it all to make that official announcement because <clears throat> I feel like Washington has nothing to lose. J- new owner Josh Harris is probably very willing to just throw a lot of money at his first big head coach. And so um, Ben Johnson's the best coach on the market. And, like, for um, not a retread, like not like, for the newest, you know, First time head coach Ben Johnson is the guy, he's the hottest candidate, I think. Um, and I feel like it's his job, and he's just waiting to make that announcement official and stuff because I don't think you want to do that prior to a big game against San Fran or prior to the Super Bowl. It might come out in you know between then and the Super Bowl, but like I said, I think the commanders are just politely waiting for him to be like, Okay, so that's just my pure guess. Um, and then we move on. Like it would be shocking if we then we move on to Seattle. And Seattle's interesting because I feel like they're another job where I feel like they ha- they know like the obvious connection is Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn obviously was the defensive coordinator for the Legion of Boom. There worked under Pete Carroll. Has I think he he has that ability where he can turn a locker room and make it into a good culture because I feel like that's what he did in Atlanta very well. Is he made a good culture that like players love to play for him? He made you know very, very much multiple like mind-numbing decisions, game management wise. But I mean, he did. I feel like it's still a culture that people wanted to play for. Like actually, like he did a better job instilling what he wanted to do than Arthur Smith did. I mean, that's he had a longer tenure, so obviously he could. But like, it felt like he's actually doing something. Um, obviously he's, he's been out of a head coaching job for a while, so maybe that'd be a good, maybe that'd be a good job for him. Um, but I mean, there are other guys, uh, the Giants offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, who has, you know, ties to, um, Brian Dable and whatnot. Um, You know, just, I don't know. I I don't know what the Seahawks are thinking. They feel like they either going to go with Dan Quinn, a very predictable hire, or they're going to go to the most out-of-left-field hire ever. Like, I I have no pulse for what the Seahawks are going to do because they're in a position, too, where they have to just know. They just paid Geno. Um, They have a ton of, like, young talent. Like, Seahawks are a great job for what you have, the resources you have, and, like, where you can take this thing. They're a great job. They're just—I feel like their only question is—is is like, can Geno stay healthy? He's kind of getting up there in age. Sneaky—he's from the 2013 draft, so he's been in the league a while. You know, what are you going to do about him? What are you going to do with this offense? Um, you have the pieces. You have the pieces on defense. Like, there's just—I don't know. Seahawks are—I feel like a really good job. It's just you have a couple key questions that you're going to have to ask, and it's just very interesting, but like I said, I feel like Dan Quinn is a good fit for that job, so but that finishes up the coaching carousel, talk about all those jobs it's very fun stuff um, but let's get over let's talk some divisional round real quick talk about the teams that lost and then we'll get into the preview okay, so before we get into um, the new upcoming week the um, conference championship week. Before we talk about those matchups, we got to talk about. I feel like talking about the losers of these games is more fitting, um, just because we're going to talk about the winners next, about the next week. So um, Texans, obviously, they lost to the Ravens in a blowout. Um, I don't think you can hang your head low. Obviously, you wanted to see C.J. Stroud be a good rookie quarterback, and it turns out he was great. He was phenomenal his rookie season. Um, you saw D'Amico Ryan's grew into his own. I think you know stamped his Name as the head coach for the Houston Texans, instilled that culture, like I could mention a lot. Um and I feel like you're heading in a great direction in a division that isn't too, you know, solid. You know, don't know what Jacksonville's gonna do this upcoming year. Colts don't know what Anthony Richardson's gonna look like coming back. Um and then Titans, like I said, we talked about them with Brian Callahan. Don't know how that hire is gonna work out. So you know, you have a lot of these guys on a rookie deal. You have a lot of free agents, but if you you can probably upgrade a lot of those guys because people might want to just come play for a good quarterback and a good head coach. So hats off to the Texans. Like I said, you fought the odds to really be in this position, and you just ran into a Ravens team that is just a buzzsaw right now, and we'll see how they do. Um, Packers. Packers were kind of a similar light where this was supposed to be rebuilding year, and you ended up taking... Um, the Super Bowl favorites in the NFC to the last minute. Um, Jordan Love, you figured out he's the franchise guy. I talked about that on LK Sports Talk. Matt LaFleur kind of you know proved that he wasn't all reliant on Aaron Rodgers. And like I said, this is a very, very young Packers offense. Um, And you have a lot of good players on defense still. Making defensive coordinator change is the right move, I think, for this Packers team. So if they get that hire right, And if a lot of these guys keep developing, you know, on offense, the receivers are all super young. So Packers are trending in a great direction. In an NFC North that, you know, you have the Lions there who might lose their hot shot offensive coordinator. The Bears, they're the Bears. I know they have a lot of resources this offseason, but they are the Bears. Um, And the Vikings, who, frankly, you don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. So Packers are positioning themselves for another long NFC North run at least to being competitive in that division Um, then we move on the Buccaneers Lions Uh, this was a game that I you know surprised that the Buccaneers hung in there as long as they did Baker Mayfield you know I feel like had some good stats towards the end and that kind of what made his overall line look a lot better than what it was but still over 300 yards I feel like you know that he's going to be your guy heading forward whether you think he should be or not yeah, I feel like you have to trust the guy because, I mean, he did have a really good season. We uh, back sometimes to old Baker, but for the most part, I feel like the players like him, um, team likes him, and yeah, I just, I think he's a good, good quarterback for you going forward, and you're in a division, like I said, you're in the NFC South, the most wide open division in sports, um, just because Falcons, like I talked about them, don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, the Saints, they're... You know, $170 million in cap. Hell, kind of. Um, then the Panthers, who, like I said, are probably the worst job and they don't know what they're going to do just heading forward in a general team direction. So, Buccaneers are set up for a, you know, a position to compete, if not win NFC North or NFC South again. So, it's just. You know we're gonna see if that offensive coordinator losing him if that was you know the big key to this team because I don't think Todd Bowles is a great coach but still, and then we get to the Chiefs Bills, the Bills I, I don't know what you do I don't this is, you know sometimes a rivalry you know you get every now and then you get your win and you can be like yeah we won this one but it's is it a rivalry if the one team just never wins like. The Bills just—the bills are one of the most heartbreaking franchises in the NFL, and they proved it again on Sunday. And, I mean, frankly, I feel like this just, come, this just came down to the defense. The defense could not get a stop, and I feel like the Bills knew that because the way that they just... It felt like the Bills' defense the entire night was trying to just put a Band-Aid on a bullet wound when it comes to just, like, trying to... Slow down, Patrick Mahomes, offense. It's just they couldn't do it. Their their secondary was too hurt. Their linebackers were too hurt. AJ Klein, the um, middle linebacker for the Bills, who kind of came off of his couch, basically. You know he he was going to go on vacation like four days prior to this game. So uh, the the Bills the Bills ran into a team that has been there, obviously, with the best quarterback in the league with a tight end who's regarded as one of the best of all time, finally showed up this season. Two touchdowns, five catches, all huge. And it's just, I don't know. It's just the Bills are in a position where I just, they feel like little brother, and I don't know when they'll ever become big brother because Josh Allen's cap number goes up. Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs is a great receiver, but I don't, I don't know if he has a future with the Bills. Von Miller's owed a lot of money. There's just a lot more questions, and this felt like I don't want to say it was the last chance because obviously you have Josh Allen, you have chances galore because he's a great quarterback. But this felt like the last, you know, overall big opportunity for a Super Bowl. And I know you're running into the Ravens next round, but ah, just it. It's not looking upwards for the Bills. This was about, you know, you're at a peak, and I don't think it gets any higher. Like, I don't think your team gets any more in position to make this type of run. So, those are the losing teams. I'm sorry to all of you. Um, three out of the four had, a, like, a overachieving season, so I can't feel that bad, but Bills fans, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but Moving on, we have the... Championship weekend. We're down to three games of football left on the season, and we first up have the Chiefs traveling to Baltimore take on the Ravens, and this is going to be a really really good game. On like it wouldn't honestly it wouldn't shock me if the Ravens blew out both teams they play here towards the end. Like if they blew out the Chiefs and then they blow out the winner of the NFC, but. I think this will be a good game just because Patrick Mahomes is a really good quarterback. And I don't think this, this is like, I feel like a unique challenge where obviously last week was his first time on the road, but you know, he conquered it. So now he's going back on the road. Like he's still on the road. Um, And it's one of those. Normally I would have been like, I think this, I think the Ravens defensive line will give the chiefs hell, but the chiefs have one of the best offensive lines, I think left in the playoffs Um, and really it's just up to the receivers. And I know those receivers will have their hands full because the Ravens defense is the best defense left. And, you know, like I said, best quarterback in the league versus the best defense in the league, that's always a fascinating matchup. How it's going to go, I'm not sure. It all comes back to how physical can the Chiefs be? You know, will they get bullied and will they get swarmed to death? Or will they fight back? Will they, you know, look like the Chiefs of old? maybe not Chiefs of Old, but a Chiefs team that can win a game like this on the road against the perennial I think the Super Bowl favorites. Can they do it? I'm not sure, but I think it'll be fascinating to see. And Lamar Jackson also has a challenge where I don't think he's been he hasn't had a lot of pressure to like really come from behind. And you know, I think the most competitive game he played in was against the Rams a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, if this game turns into one of those, I think it'll be very intriguing to see, you know, is Lamar Jackson the reason either the Ravens are winning the game or did he maybe fall into some old tricks, fumble the ball here or there, does he turn the ball over? I I I think Lamar Jackson's great, he's going to be the MVP, like, but it's an intriguing question because, I mean, the playoffs hasn't always been Lamar Jackson's best moments, so can the Chiefs take advantage of that with a very good defense and a run game that will hold the ball? You know, I I don't know. But I mean, if I had to pick a team, I'm going to pick the Ravens just because I think we've seen what we have wanted to see from them all season long. Um, Like it's not, it hasn't really been a question. And, you know, I, I just think this is a really tough matchup for the Chiefs offense to get anything going because I think just I just think this defense is so well coached. I think they have the personnel to keep up. Um I mean, I'll be honest, Mike this is the guy who should be Seattle's coach, is Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens. Uh, he just feels like a younger, better version of Dan Quinn. Um just, you know, running this defense is a monster scheme. Either way, give me the Ravens. I think the Ravens win this game. I do think it'll be a touchdown or less a win. Like, I think it won't be a blowout. I don't, I can't see that happening just because I think the Chiefs have figured out something. And I think that's always scary for a team that hasn't been good all season long. They're getting hot at the right time. Getting hot at the right time with the best quarterback in the league is, like I said, very dangerous. But give me the Ravens. And then we have, I think think would be the game of the week in my opinion just from a a pure rooting standpoint is the Lions and 49ers 49ers offense has obviously got the names they have the scheme guy um they've been that way for the past couple seasons now they have Brock Purdy this run like he hasn't hurt his elbow in a weird way that has handicapped the 49ers like he's actually healthy and okay and then we have the Lions. You have the Lions who have Jared Goff, Ben Johnson, like I said, mentioned as the offensive coordinator, Amon Ross St. Brown. Their run game has really figured it out with the balance of David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. And, I mean, I, like I said, I, I mentioned this in LK Sports Talk. I think this game comes down to the Lions' defense because they've been just, they feel like a, they've been someone that runs a dam And there's cracks all over, but they keep putting duct tape on it. And duct tape isn't, you know, Band-Aids. Duct tape's a little bit stronger than Band-Aids, but they've been putting duct tape all over these cracks. And is it going to finally collapse and the defense is just going to have a bad game? Because like I said, the defense has not been great. But they've held on for dear life these past couple weeks with Baker, with um, Matthew Stafford and company. Like, they've held on. But is this finally the time where they don't hold on? You know, I think that's the biggest question here in this game. Um, but I don't know. I so there's something about the 49ers. I think there's a hitch in their, you know, hitch in their step right now where they don't look as dominant as they have. You know, mid, let's say midway through the season, Debo Samuel's a little bit banged up. Um, I don't know. I just, and it's also it's not a cold game. So Jared Goff doesn't play well in cold games. It'll be outdoors, but it's in California, which should be nice, playing back home. Like I, everything is, to me is saying the Lions, and so I'm gonna go with the Lions here. This might be an emotional pick, but I don't care. I'm gonna go with Detroit. I think they pull off the upset on the road against San Frank team. Who I don't know what they've done to deserve seven and a half points here as a favorite against a fellow 12 and five team. I know they've gone there different ways, but it feels a little bit odd. So. That's my Super Bowl. That's going to be my Super Bowl. Is the Ravens, the Lions, and I will talk about that in the future. But that'll do it for me. We did not touch on the NBA rats. Maybe we'll get them next week. Either way, um, I'll talk to you guys next week. Make sure to check out LK Sports Talk for some NFL analyst um, analysis, whatever you want to say. And I will see you guys next week. Goodbye.